Most of us try our best to limit the dangerous things we have to do in our daily lives. And it's fair to say that the more dangerous they are, the greater the care we take. But there is something we all do every day that is very dangerous indeed in the wrong circumstances, and that is going to the loo. Human waste is a potential killer, and millions of people aren't living with the infrastructure that they have to deal with it hygienically. So going to the loo safely and hygienically and in a dignified way is a matter of huge interest to Oxfam's public health teams and an area where a lot of innovation is going on. Now, one of our more unusual types of loo is known as the tiger worm toilet. Um, and I have with me here Angus McBride, an engineer with Oxfam, who's piloting using worm powered toilets in Ethiopia. Um, and he's also having to think a bit about the acceptance of these by communities, as well as all the technical aspects of them. My name is Sophie Mac-Smith, um, and I'm going to be talking to Angus a little bit about this. So, Angus, um, tell us Hello. a little bit about where we got the idea from. So, it all started when Andy Bastable, our head of water and sanitation, he was in Ethiopia, over dinner, and someone mentioned that one of his toilets never needed desludging. And uh, for people using pit latrines, toilets filling up and desludging, this is a, a bit of a headache. So having a toilet that doesn't need any desludging, that was pretty interesting. Uh, and the reason, the reason why it didn't need any desludging was because it had some worms inside it <laughs> and they were eating all the poo. So Andy went away and after a few years of trying and failing and eventually succeeding, he managed to get some funding and we started a trial in Wales at the Centre for Alternative Technology. And there they had, they put some worms in a big black barrel and they heated it up to a nice temperature and then they started feeding them feces and uh, they they loved it. They just kept on eating. And, from, and, and, you're, and you're in Ethiopia work. now doing this trial? Yes, I am. Yes. So, so what actually does a tiger worm toilet look like? Well, it depends where you are in the world. We've come up with several different models all for these different contexts and different locations. Where I am now, uh, I'm in a refugee camp for South Sudanese refugees, and they look very much like the standard pit latrines because the worms are hidden underneath the slab, and until you pull off the slab, which is on, on top of the latrine, you wouldn't know that it was any different. And in other places, generally, in fact, they almost always look much like the local toilets. Fantastic. And, and and is this a particular kind of worm? Yes, it is. There are... Is it like an earthworm that we would have in our gardens? So it, it could be, depending on what earthworms you have in your gardens. Broadly, there's, I mean, there's three different types of worms, roughly. There's the ones that are go very deep down underground, and they will come up occasionally and pull down some leaves and uh, live well underground. And then there's a sort of a middly layer of worms, and... These ones eat the soil, they're soil eaters. And then right at the top, you have the composting worms who only eat organic matter. And they're the, the most the most famous one of these is the, is the tiger worm. I'm not sure if it's most famous, just partly because of it's got such a great name. But there are other worms which will do a similar job. Okay, okay. And, um, and how many do you need for a toilet? Well, that's a matter of some debate. For a family of 10 kilograms... We estimate it requires about two kilograms of worms. Or so you for, put for two a family of ten of people, you mean? Yes. But that's how many you put in. And then depending on how much the worms have to eat, the population of worms will they will either reproduce or some of them will, will die and the, and the population will get smaller. 
So how many you actually need, it will vary. And uh, it's not something that has been particularly easy to study in practice, because as you can imagine, going through the vermicomposter at the back where all the feces is and pulling out all the worms and weighing them is not a very attractive or uh, safe job. No, I can imagine. So um, you, you say you're in a refugee camp. Um, yes. Now, a refugee camp to a lot of people is a place where people are coming and going and there's quite a lot of fluidity of population. If you're going to set up these sorts of toilets there, how do you know they're going to get enough food um, or maybe they even get too much food if more people arrive or, or if everyone leaves? Um, how, how do you make sure that your toilets are going to continue to work? Well, this is a fair point, and this is a trial in the refugee camp to see how it works. And one of the issues that we've already come across is that our toilets are designed for seven people. So we're using slightly less worms and a slightly smaller surface area. And most of the time, that is fine if you, if you look at the average household sizes. But people also will sometimes get visitors, and then suddenly there's a lot more waste going into the toilet. So it puts so the kind of inviting the relatives over into a completely different context. So what other problems have you faced in your tri trials? I did a lot of reading and a lot of talking to people who had implemented these worm toilets before when we first started. But one thing I never really considered to ask was when you, when you collect them, how do you store them? So I know that in the long term you need to put them in, in a wormery and, and feed them on organic matter. But... When we first went to collect them, it took most of the day to collect the worms, and by the time we got back, it was dark, so I couldn't take them to our prepared wormery. So we just had, I just had a bucket of worms, and uh, I wasn't quite sure what to do with them. The worms started trying to escape from the bucket, <laughs> and they were crawling up the side. So I found another bucket and put that bucket on top, so that they couldn't, they couldn't come out. Whilst I was away, I must have been making dinner or something. I came back and I found worms all over the floor. Oh, that does actually sound like everyone's nightmare, a bucket of escaping worms. It, it felt like it. It really made me wonder, what on earth am I doing? And, um, <laughs> and how do the, how have the, I mean, you, you said that these, these toilets are supposed to be used in the same way that people would use an ordinary toilet, and therefore they should almost not notice that, that they've got worms in them, um, because their behaviour yeah. shouldn't change. But um, do they know and how has their behaviour changed and, and how have they accepted these toilets? Here, people, I mean, in some places it has been an issue that people are like, what are these worms? Are they, are they harmful? But here, people are familiar with them from back in South Sudan where they would use them for fishing. So when they first saw the worms and were like, these are going to the toilet, they would, they, you know, they would, it was just laughter. They thought we were talking about some something crazy. But really, these are just normal fairly Bait. even quite small looking worms you really don't think anything of them and so when people saw this and it was the worm they were used to uh, then it, then it was no problem and is that the same around the world do you know i mean i know you're in ethiopia but we have tried this um in liberia in burma in myanmar um and you said india as well um is it is it is it, is it culturally okay no matter where we go or have there been problems that you've heard of no, it does vary. I have heard that in places where people aren't used to using these worms for fishing or they aren't very familiar with the worms, then it can take some convincing. And um, I mean, my brain is going mad here and at the risk of becoming a little bit overly scatological. Um, I'm thinking, what about people with nasty diseases? Um, you know, people with dysentery or people with um, 
are there some bad diarrhea? I mean, you, you said these worms need to be a little bit wet, but not too wet. Um, can worms cope with, with, with um, any offerings they get, put it that way? Potential issue that we were unsure about for a while was deworming tablets that here people are given, or particularly children, are given quite regularly to stop uh, intestinal worms, which can be picked yes. up quite easily. That's a very interesting um, point, isn't it, potentially? Yes. So that was quite a concern. But we, we did some research and we came to the conclusion that although the, the worms are susceptible to deworming tablets, in fact, it's one of the tests for whether a deworming tablet might work or not, is if it, ki if it kills earthworms, then it gives you an indication that, yeah, you might, it might be the right type of tablet. So they're definitely susceptible to them. But in the quantity that would be coming into the toilet and the frequency that would be coming into the toilet. So, Angus, um, how do we make sure that there is just enough moisture in the toilet for the worms? Well, it's a, it's a two part strategy, we could say. First of all, we need to make sure that there's some water coming in. And that's easier in some cultures than others, particularly if people are use water for anal cleansing, which is common throughout a lot of the world. And that's going to ensure that there's water going in. Also, water from flushing, depending on how you set it up, that can also oh. contribute to make sure there's water going in. And then on the other side, at the other end, you have to make sure that the water, excess water, can drain out of the toilet. Yes. And, um, and, and suppose people, I mean, I know in this, in this culture, we're endlessly trying to tell people not to throw other things down the toilets. Um, or not to flush things away that they shouldn't. Um, what things might people throw down these sorts of loos that would be bad news for the worms? Well, it's not so much what would be bad news for the worms. It's the whole ethos of this toilet is it's a toilet that's not going to fill up. And so it's going to be usable for a very long time. It's going to be more economical. And also because it's because we know that it's not going to be needs replacing soon, we can build it to a higher standard and a nicer quality. So this has to go with quite a bit of kind of public education about what's what, what's OK to put down there and what's not OK. Yeah. One of the most important things with these toilets is to make sure that you get the buy in from the community right at the start. And um, I mean, we can't really um, not have you just telling us about what are the benefits of these toilets. They, they do sound that they're quite an effort to create. Um, and there is some public education to go with it. So what is it all in aid of? Why, why tiger worm toilets? The first thing, the main thing is it reduces the filling up rate of the toilet. We estimate about 30 centimetres of accumulation uh, over five years, which is very, very little. You can make your toilet smaller and also you won't need to replace it for a very long time. And then if you then do decide to use, to, to empty the toilet, then once the waste has been through a worm, it should, and this is up to some scientific debate, and there are papers on this, but it should be, a lot of the parasites should be killed, and so it should be relatively safe to use. And it makes fantastic compost, so really good for growing things in. So that's just a, an added benefit. And in Ethiopia, I mean, I mean, you're saying it makes fabulous compost. Um, are, you, are you hoping that in this refugee camp that will actually help people grow things? Yes, in the long term. Primarily, it's about having the good quality sanitation, which should be a health benefit and be more economical over the long term and be more pleasant and more dignified to use. Is that because it doesn't smell yeah. at all? So it, it doesn't smell. And also we've been able to, because we know that it's going to last for a long time, we've been able to build it to a nicer quality as well. Marvellous. And I mean, are we influencing other people? I mean, what's the take up like? 
Yeah, there's now quite a few projects going on. The biggest one that I know of is Freemove and India have installed, the last number I heard was 5,000 of these worm toilets. So that's an enormous number and they're selling them all as well. So they're having huge success. And what are our future plans? I mean, this is the first time we've built them in a refugee camp. So for us, this is a bit of a trial. And if they're successful, then definitely building a lot more here as the existing latrines fill up and need replacement, then we can replace them with tiger worms once we've got that design optimised and proven for these local conditions. And then taking the learning from this and using it elsewhere in other refugee camps and in other settings where they're already being used. Thank you very much, Angus, for giving us a very interesting talk about this subject. Um, We will be putting more information up about tiger worms um, on this page, so do look out for that, and do look out for more podcasts in this series. My name is Sophie Mack-Smith. Thank you very much for listening.